ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome to yet another edition of the Red and Blue Review Crystal Palace podcast. This evening we're going to be discussing what has been a very difficult week in the lives of a Crystal Palace fan, uh, especially if you travelled like some of my friends did up and down the country to watch them. Um, don't forget you can find us on uh, YouTube, go back onto our website at www.redandbluereview.co.uk where you can find our entire back catalogue. Welcome to the show once again, Tim Richards. How are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad. Hello, everyone. Good to see you all. And where is your Red and Blue Review t-shirt? It's not there. It's absent. I know. Oh, sorry. You're fired. Uh, I'll say good evening to you, Ian Noble, because Teresa, you're on mute. Okay. Uh, Ian Noble, good evening to you. How are you, mate? Good evening, Nick. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, I'm a bit tired, actually, if I'm honest with you, after um, the travels this week. But yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm going to be coming on to that in a minute. And Teresa, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Teresa Baker, how are you? I'm very well, Nick. Thank you. So you I was a little the... bit tired yesterday, but I got back a bit sooner than Ian. But I was going to say, you had the master plan, didn't you? You, you didn't rely on public transport. You drove yourself, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's let's get that out of the way first. So, so what time did you get back to? Just before nine o'clock. And Ian, what time did you get back? Oh, it's a good question. Um, about half ten, I think, something like that. Let the, train, maybe. let the train take the strain, eh? Or yeah. not the case, maybe. Uh, right, okay. So this evening, obviously, we're going to be talking about um, this. Obviously, is going to be our last show before the World Cup. We're going to be talking about the uh, Newcastle United defeat in the Carabao Cup. We're also going to be discussing yesterday's unfortunate defeat at the City Ground in Nottingham. It's one of those things whereby it's been a tough week. Uh, and then the, uh, the second half of the show, we're going to be discussing. Where do we think we should be at this time of year? We are where we are in comparison to last Christmas, because obviously the uh, we're halfway there now on as far as the uh, time scale is concerned, but not as far as the fixtures are concerned. And I, I'm going to give you some positives, some mega positives as to what's going on uh, in terms of uh, injuries and players, our players away at the World Cup, and uh, in comparison to some of the other teams. Good evening to each and every one of you out in the red and blue chat. Uh, if you are coming up on the screen as Facebook user, because I understand it's because you are on the red and blue news Facebook group. If you want to come off that so we can see who you are. Okay, I can see there's one under there under Paul's name already. So if you're coming up on the screen as a red and uh, Facebook user, pop off that, get onto our YouTube channel, and that way we'll be able to see who you are and we can give you the name check. That Ian's going to do during the course of the evening, aren't you, Ian? Okay, we hadn't rehearsed that bit, but yeah, fine. Of course, we hadn't rehearsed. I've never rehearsed anything. We don't actually rehearse. Evening, Bruce. How are you? Okay, now uh, Nigel, as Bruce was the first one on the screen. Okay, let's let's kick off with that up and coming uh, over the next couple of weeks. And one of the most important things happening this weekend is next Saturday night at Sparoni's in uh, Sellers Park. The Crystal Palace Football Club Disabled Supporters Association has a family social event. Uh, children are welcome. It's on Saturday the 19th, 7pm at Speroni's in Sellers Park. There's going to be a guest speaker. And Bruce, we still don't know who the guest speaker is. So if you can enlighten us in the chat, I'd be very grateful. There will be a raffle. Okay. And uh, the top prize will be two tickets in the executive box for the Newcastle United home game, which includes drink and food. So please, if, you, if you're if you a loss next Saturday, don't forget, there's no football, there's no palace, put it that way, there's no palace. Get down to the Sellers Park, support the guys and the uh, Disabled Supporters Association. I will be very grateful. 
So we're going to kick off, if you don't mind, about the other teams. How did, how did they get on this weekend? Well, they had a better weekend than us because they didn't play. The ladies, for the, the ladies game is the most important fixture of the season for them. It's actually next Sunday. Nigel, I believe we have got a slide for it. And there it is. Don't forget, you have no first team palace to go and support. So please come down to Sellers Park on Sunday, the 20th of November at two o'clock. Okay. Let us try and break the 1800 crowd record against the clowns at Sellers Park. Uh, Crystal Palace ladies taking on Charlton Athletic ladies at Sellers Park, two o'clock next Sunday. I will be there. Pop down and say hello to us. There is no palace that weekend. It's really important you get along and support the girls, please. Uh, the under-21s don't play until tomorrow night when they've got a Premier League 2 uh, Cup game at Bramwell Lane playing Sheffield United. And I don't have a kickoff time. Oh, I beg your pardon. Uh, yeah, that's a 7 o'clock in the evening kickoff. And the under-18s play on Saturday the 19th, 11 o'clock, under-18s Premier League against uh, away at Norwich City at the Lotus Training Centre in Nodarge. Right, so we're going to kick off with the Carabao Cup. Palace obviously made a, an early exit in the Carabao Cup. Uh, okay, I'm going to start off with you you guys, just to let you know how I actually felt when I came off uh, listening to that or watching that stream. Okay, and it is, a, it is a particular bugbear of mine. Okay, and it's the River Dance penalty. It's the River Dance penalty. I've seen it for years and years and years. From Ronaldo to our players the other night and loads of people in between. And it looks good when it goes in and you look a clown when it goes wrong, okay, as it did for us. Ian, you were there. Okay, I'm going to come to you first. Mm. Over thoughts on the game, please, and your thoughts on what I've just said about the River Dance penalty. Well, the worst one was Gamera's, wasn't it? Their 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 penalty that um, he put over the bar. But um, look, there's the lineup. Um, he made six changes from the West Ham game. Um, so you know, ring the changes for the Carabao Cup, which is what you would expect to see. And while I had no issues at all with the the first eleven there on the pitch, I thought it was a, a fair side. You know, gave people like Tompkins uh, a game. Um, Hughes hasn't had many minutes. Um, you know, the others have all played. Old oh, Johnson, of course, you know, in goal. Um, what worried me, and it, it came back to bite us at the end of the day, was the bench. So if you look at that bench, there is no experience on that bench whatsoever. Um, the only senior player is Jara Riedeveld. And uh, you then compare that with Newcastle's bench. Now, I haven't got that to show you, but they had all their big guns on the bench. You know, your Trippiers, your Almirons and so on. And they made the changes in the second half because it was nil-nil and they wanted to win the game. Now, uh, it didn't work out for them in 90 minutes, um, but it did work out for them in the shootout, of course. But let's let's talk about the game itself. Um, there were 600 of us up in the corner at St. James's Park. Um, you know, it's very difficult to make yourself heard in that atmosphere. Um, over 50,000 in the ground, which I thought was pretty a decent effort. Uh, Nick, you want to come in there? Go on. I can't hear you. You're mute, Nick. Only to congratulate you, mate, because um, my, from what I read on social media the following day, the Newcastle fans were 
commenting on how loud and proud you were. There was only 600 of you in comparison to 55,000 Geordies. So well done to yeah. everyone. Okay. Well, and producer guy, Nigel, was there as well, of course, but he lives up there, so that's sort of cheating. But it's always good to see Nigel at uh, St. James's. Um, but look, you know, it was, it was a difficult game and the, the support up there is is legendary. Um, they really do worship their football team. And, um, you know, for a game like that to sell out almost is, was tremendous. Um, and it was always a good atmosphere. And, you know, we started the better side. We started on the front foot um, in the first half. We definitely looked the better side. Um, there was a couple of good chances. Luca had a corner. Tompkins headed over. Um, Hughes fed Mateta, who had a crisp shot that Pope saved. You know, interesting also in their selection of goalkeeper. They picked their first choice goalkeeper for this tie. Um and don't trust their, their reserve keeper, which I found really odd because most clubs will play a reserve goalkeeper in the Carabao Cup competition. Um, Shelby had a free kick in the first half, which nearly caught Sam Johnston out. I don't know if you saw that. He he was off his line and the free kick floated just wide of the post. If that goes in, that's really embarrassing for Sam Johnston. Awardee absolutely berated him. You don't often see Joel Ward lose his temper on the football pitch but he absolutely lost it with Sam Johnston uh, for his error of judgment in leaving his goal unguarded there. Second half, um, they were the better side second half. And the irony was that all the action was up the other end, <laughs> the whole game. You know, we're the better of the first half, they're the better of the second half, but it was up the other end to us. Um, uh, yeah, Tompkins' back pass was uh, should have been punished by, by Wood. A good save by Sam Johnston. Um, and then some maximum, he, he was got on the ball. He hasn't played many minutes for them. And Dan Byrne had a header just over. Um, it was all Newcastle. Trippier came on. He fed Almer on through, had a shot that Johnson saved again. And, you know, Joe Linton had a shot from distance as well. So, you know, they bossed the second half, Newcastle. And, of course, you know, some of the people in the crowd, you know, didn't even realise it went straight to penalties. So here we go, you know, we're 90 minutes of football. And, frankly... Having travelled up there all day and, you know, have the, and the hotel bar was calling me, I was happy it wasn't extra time. You know, I was happy to go straight to penalties. Um, they scored first. Um, our penalty king from days gone by, Luka Milivojevic, steps up. And I think with Luka's penalty, it wasn't such a bad penalty other than the fact that he, he gave Pope plenty of warning which way he was going. You know, his run-up was, was such that, uh, you know, it wasn't as you described, Nick, but it, it wasn't the greatest penalty. It's saved. Now, obviously, then we're on the back foot straight away. Um, the next four penalties are scored. Hughes and Ward put ours away. Then they miss. And you think, oh, we've given a chance to get back in this. But Mateta's was a soft penalty. It really was. And then they had that disaster where they put it over. And the young lad, Malcolm Abui, is given the opportunity to to make it through or well, he doesn't take it. And you know, it fizzled out. It was a bit of a damp squib. They sort of celebrated, but only just, you know, they won 3-2, but by default. So, um, but one thing I did notice about the penalty shootout, which was interesting from a from a support point of view, is that the, the they made the atmosphere tell. They made the home advantage count. So when their players walked forward, there were huge cheers, massive cheers. And when Luca stepped up, Oh, the boos resounding. And, of course, all the, the fans beyond the goal waving like that as well to put him off. Um, they, they they were the 12th man, the Newcastle fans, for the penalty shootout. 
And, um, you know, we go out early and um, once again, we're not going to win the Carabao Cup this season. But uh, there we are. They're the match that for you. They, they, they bossed the possession, mainly in the second half. I think that was the 66%. Um, had more shots than us. But on target, it wasn't much in it. Corners, you know, the balance of play was fairly even, really. Um, but, you know, that's the second goalless draw in almost as many months in the northeast, And against the side of Newcastle's quality, we've seen... You know what they can do to other teams. They won yesterday. You know they are they are a, they're a decent outfit. And my one question, which I'm interested to ask people in the chat that are watching, you know, should we have put our first eleven players on that bench? Should Zaha, Eze, Schlup, Dekure have been on that bench to come on with five to go with a view to taking penalty kicks? Um, I've got my view. I know what I think. Um, be interested to see what Tim and Teresa think first. And then you know people put their comments in the in the chat. Um, we'll go from there. Teresa, I think I'm, I'm going to come to you right now because I, I think Ian made an, an excellent point right at the beginning of that about the weakness of our bench. Okay, yeah. So same subject really as he has just asked you. I mean, the thing is, um, what do we want? Do we want silverware? Uh, do we want uh, uh, under 23s being given a chance? Is that why we're playing in the Carabao Cup? It's, you've got to think of it that way as well. I, I think we should have put out our strongest starting team, but you should have had a mix of the junior, like the the greener players and some more experienced players. And they knew that it was going to go to um, penalties at the end. They should have taken that into account as well. I mean, to put Malcolm up there to take the fifth penalty, that's really harsh for a young lad. And to be quite honest, it could have destroyed his career. Had it, had not, it, had it been more important. <laughs> but yeah. you don't know how they're going to think. And he's a young lad. He's only, what, how many appearances he made? Three? Well, what, was great, what, was, what was great, though, was the way they rallied round him at the end. I don't know if you noticed, but they rallied round him. The whole squad got round him because he was clearly quite distraught, you know, that he'd missed. It was very similar to England when England went out in the Euros in the final, wasn't it? It was not dissimilar, you know, <laughs> inexperienced players taking spot kicks. But Probably the penalties are only th the only things that any of us actually got to watch didn't go to the game because it was there was no stream. Trust me, I looked. There was nothing else. So, T... So, T, um, first 11 players on the bench, you're saying yes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I listen to on the radio. Um, and to be fair, you, you summed it up perfectly, where it seemed like we were at least as good, if not better, than Newcastle until they brought their bench on. And that kind of made me wonder about Vieira, and I'd love to know his, his reasoning behind it, because... You know, another away game at the weekend was in seven players, but there's a big break now, so there's plenty of time for them to have got over it. Um, I, I was disappointed. It is trite, Teresa, I agree, where we, you know, some of us do say, play the younger players, give them a chance, but it's still silverware, and it's still, after this round, only three games to get to Wembley with the chance of winning silverware. So, there's, yeah, I, I was disappointed with the bench. I, I definitely agree, and I think you know, we should have had maybe not all of them, but definitely taking into account penalties. So you can rule Wilf out at the moment, but taking into account it could go to penalties. I I was disappointed with who he had on the bench. To be fair, 
Okay, um, Rob Cranfield in the chat. I've seen your message. Okay, please contact me after the show to give me a guidance on how to take care of that. Okay, because I agree with you. So Nick Point, Nick Pope proved the hero for Newcastle United as Eddie House side beat fellow Premier League side Crystal Palace in the penalty shootout uh, to reach the last 16 of the Carabao Cup. Pope saved spot kicks from Milivojevic, Mateta and Iwobi as a host prevailed 3-2 after a goalless 90 minutes. Um, I think we'll draw a line under that one. I mean, to answer Theresa's question, God, yes, of course I want silverware. And the only way we're going to do that is by playing stronger teams. But it also what it also leads to is how weak we are as a squad, uh, which we're going to be coming on to in massive detail towards the end of this show. So please stay uh, please stay tuned for that. Before Ian goes on to cover yesterday's game, uh, I want to cover how did our lone players get on over the weekend. Uh, Malachi Boateng played all 90 minutes for Queen's Park as a 1-2-1 at home against Inverness Caledonian Thistle. David Boateng did not uh, come on from the bench. Jez Raksaki, still ripping it up for Charlton, played the full 90 minutes for Charlton as he scored again in the 75th minute in a 3-3 draw away at Burton Albion. Scott Banks played a full 90 minutes for Bradford in their 2-0 win away at Sutton United, and he scored in the 50, 51st minute. Uh, Remy Matthews returning goal for St. Johnson, who drew 1-1 with uh, Motherwell, and Reese Hammond uh, played 74 minutes for Bromley, who drew 1-1 against Halifax Town. And Daniel Quick, this is this is the second week on the trot this has happened, but Daniel Quick was not in the squad for Dorking, who lost 2-0 away at South End. And I don't know why... I don't know where this Daniel Quick has disappeared to because he ain't very, <laughs> very quick at all. Uh, anything in the chat, Ian? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing that caught my eye before we uh, leave the Newcastle game forever, Chris Lehman, one more point. Uh, good to have you on here, Chris, uh, the other week. Um, Chris says, uh, do we ever beat Newcastle in cup games? Um, off the top of his head, 1988, 1999, 2002, we went out to them in the FA Cup. And in the 2014-15 season, I think, we played them at home uh, in the League Cup and lost 3-2 in that one. And So we never beat them. You're right. We beat them in 1907, but um, I don't quite remember that one. So, yeah, it's, they're a bit of a bogey side for us in the Cup. And you just sort of, we were saying yesterday coming back, you just know we're getting in the third round of the FA Cup, don't you? Bloody better not be Newcastle away. I'll tell you that for nothing. It really better not be, but there we are. Before we go, uh, before we go on to the Nottingham Forest game, one last piece of information for you: Michael Elise will have a chance to earn his second French under twenty-one cap after receiving a call-up for their final match of twenty twenty-two. Elise will join up with the Le Bleuets as they take on Norway next Saturday, the nineteenth, having been handed his first under twenty-one call-up in March this year. He made his debut at that level in a two-two-nil win over the Faroe Islands. Good luck, Mr. Olise. Uh, so that's, you know, bear in mind what we're going to be talking about towards the end of the show. That's just another one away on international duty. Ian, Nottingham Forest at the city ground yesterday afternoon, please. OK, yeah, before I get into that, lest I forget, just pick up on one thing you said earlier, Nick, um, about our lone players. If you haven't seen the Scott Banks goal for Bradford against Sutton, Google it. It's all over Twitter. It's absolute worldy. Absolute worldy. It's uh, Ala uh, Michael Elise. He cuts in from the right on his left foot, I think. Kills it right in the top corner. Wonderful, wonderful goal. Uh, he's a special talent, that kid. So um, he's doing well at Bradford out online. So um, 
you know, I said after the, the Newcastle Cup game that if we go and win at Forest at the weekend, I won't really care. Um, so, um, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, Patrick Vieira sort of summed it up for me, I think, in his post-match interview. You know, if we score that first goal, then it's a different result entirely. I think he's spot on there. I think the first goal was crucial. Um, we lacked some discipline and maturity and uh, mental resilience, really, to, um, to to build on and come from behind in in this game yesterday. Um, there's the starting lineup. It's the same starting eleven as West Ham. I think. I don't think there are any changes from that. Um, so you know, again, changes from the cup game in midweek. Um, yeah, early on, first five ten minutes, where she started okay. Zaha had a chance. He hit it over the bar. It wasn't dissimilar in position to the goal he scored at West Ham. You know, he gets in this sort of inside left position, really, but he blasts it over. Um, and he has another opportunity where he crosses it and pushed away by by Henderson. Um, they came close on 15 minutes. They broke away on the right-hand side. I think Tarek Mitchell was caught napping a little bit and the ball fizzed across the penalty area and it was just wide of the post. Um, Eze's shot was well wide in the first half. Um, and then Mitchell, uh, we talked about this pre-show a little bit. Um, Tarek Mitchell brought uh, Lingard down on the edge of the box. It was outside the penalty area, so it definitely wasn't a penalty. Um, was he the last man? Some saying he, he was lucky not to see red. Um, he stayed down injured for quite a long time himself, um, three or four minutes, and they curled the free kick just over the bar. So it's still nil-nil. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we're... We're not really in the game at this stage, you know. It's it's a they're, they're getting better at the forest, you know. They're getting the crowd are getting behind them. Their home crowd was very good, by the way. I was very impressed by their crowd. Uh, made a lot of noise. Um, but then uh, Jordan Ayo got free on the right wing. He he wriggled his way past a couple of players along the touchline. Lovely bit of skill, actually. If you watch that back, really did well. Oh, he was about the only thing he did in the game, to be fair. Um, and gets the ball into Wilf, who turns his man. I think it was a centre-back, number four. I think his name's Warrell. Um, there it is. And he turns him, and you can see he's holding him there. And again, this went to VAR, of course, and there was a delay of about two minutes. And you think, oh, the longer it goes on, you know, maybe he's gonna, they're going to overturn it, and, and it's not going to be a penalty. But even from the other end, it looked a penalty. You know, sometimes you can just sort of tell. I could not believe that he didn't score. He sends the keeper the wrong way, and he brushes the outside of the post and I'd be interested to know what people think in the chat about Will from Pens. Um, I think I'm of the school now that I want to see him taken off penalties. Um, he's missed too many and I know he scored one. I think he got a good one at Watford last season, but frankly, you know, he's missed too many, you know, even the Leicester game, I think he, he got a rebound Villa game. He got a rebound. Um, so he scored the goals, but he was lucky, you know, with those. And he's got to hit the target from there. All he had to do was roll it into an empty net almost yesterday. And, you know, he didn't. And whether the delay got to him, I don't know. But, you know, we're at a situation now in the season where we've got a break. You know, he's got all the players together. They can practice to their heart's content. And he can select a penalty taker that's not Wilf. That's what I would do, I think, if I was Patrick Vieira, as far as penalties go. So, um, yeah, we... Um, one thing they did do, that that Worrell who played, by the way, and Bowley, who was at Wolves previously, I think. I think it was their first game in the Premier League this season. 
they haven't played for a long time anyway. And they played together in the Caribou Cup against Spurs in the week, apparently. And he was so impressed by them that he put them in the Premier League. So you don't often see that in a, as a selection from a manager. Um, but Forrest, give them credit. I thought they were good. You know, they played well. They banks are four. We very difficult to break down. And um, we didn't. We failed miserably. You know, if you don't have a shot on target in 90 minutes, you simply ain't going to win the game, are you? So um, it sort of brings us into the second half. And their goal, I don't know about you, but again, the longer it went on, they flags were offside. We think, oh, we got away with one. And then the longer it went on from the away end, we're thinking, do you know what? This isn't going to go our way. They're going to overturn this. So it's all about the angles. Um, there's one angle that VAR are looking at. Look, he's level, isn't he? So, you know, if that's the other way around, we're probably going, yeah, he's level, he's onside. But that angle there, he looks miles off. Um, and there's Torek Mitchell, he's down on the other side. Um, and he, he sort of he's connecting with the ball there, isn't he? Through Schlupp's legs, almost, it looks. And he looks offside. But, you know, it didn't go our way. So, you know, I think we've just got to accept it. Not much we can do at this stage anyway. So, 1-0 um, down. And then we chased the game and it all sort of petered out to nothing. You know, not shot on target. Really disappointing, actually. I don't think we played very well at all, second half, to be honest. There's the stats. 68% possession, possession to Palace. Doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, if you don't have a shot on target, you're not going to score, are you, really? Exactly. a penalty kick. So, uh, less said about it, the better, really. I don't know what others think. Tim, your, your thoughts on your season's performance? Yeah, I was... I was... It all seemed pretty flat to me, to be honest. It, it didn't seem to have the zip. They didn't seem to have the passion. They didn't seem to have the desire they had in the West Ham game. Um, it almost, I don't know if it's complacency, if it comes back to the inconsistency that is typically Palace. But the thing that disappointed me in that in yesterday's game, but also to a certain extent, the West Ham game, and I think other games that I've seen this year, is a number of times we'll get into shooting positions outside the box and rather than have a shot they'll try a really difficult little inside pass or they'll try and play an extra couple of passes and I think sometimes they just want to put the foot through the ball and even if the keeper saves it and goes for a corner or the keeper saves it and it drops to one of our plays at least that's a chance they just dilly dally on the outside try a little pass here try a little pass there one in 50 it works and they may get a goal or may get on strike but how many times have we seen it where they've been in great positions and rather than at least have a shot, oh, we'll try and pass it around and then the other team defend it, kick it up, and that's a, a wasted attempt. So that, I think, has been disappointing this season. Yeah, it was, it was sort of interesting. They were trying to shoot, I think, yesterday a couple of times. Eze's shot went wide in the first half and then Ayu had one, I think it was in the second, and it was the most pathetic shot you've ever seen in your life. You know, It was like so wide and high it was ridiculous you know it, was, it would have been far better to pick a simple pass so you know they probably can't win too much can they you know um it's a, there we are. Teresa, I, I could throw you a, I, I could throw you a bit of a fishing hook and see if i'll catch you Sorry. how crap was i were you say i think they were all crap yesterday to be quite honest there was not one player in my mind on the field that excelled or did their job if I went to work and did my job like they did, people would be dead. Mm, true. I, they, they just didn't turn up. There was no excuse for that performance yesterday. After the good performance um, that we had against West Ham, 
it looked like a completely different side. I've even seen Twitter strip like tweets saying from Nottingham Forest team saying that they were looking forward to seeing us at at the game, and they how disappointed they were. I'm not. I can't blame any player. I think Schlupp had a particularly bad game. I have to say, he really wasn't on it yesterday. Um, I can't say any more because otherwise I'll start swearing. <laughs> Well, apparently, according to the real panel in the chat, Schlupp actually <laughs> hit the top tier in the first half. He did. <laughs> yeah, it went up into the top tier. Thanks, Paul, for that one. Yeah. Good on you, Paul. Um, you I'm going to take issue with you, T. I'm going to take issue with you, T, yeah. over one player who I did think had a good game. Mark Gahey, um, four interceptions, the best in the match. Six accurate long balls, best in the match. Nobody dribbled past him once. 111 passes completed. Best in the match. Okay. Half of those were to Anderson sideways. Um, 131 touches. Best in the match. 100% aerial Jews won. Best in the match. So, yeah, Mark Gahey, yeah. you single him he's out. Gonna, he he's going to get all those stats because the ball went backwards. It went sideways. It went forward. It went yeah. backwards. It went sideways. It went back to the goalkeeper. Yeah, but you don't get those was, players not dribbling past him. You know, so. In the second half, we had a free kick in their half, and the ball ended up with Gahey, uh, Greater. And the, the free kick was in our half. Gosh. Yeah. So, there was just no, no, it was, I'll tell you, the one person that started driving the ball forward was Joel Ward when he came on the sub. And he started running towards their box. But I, I think, but I think this, this conversation, hits at the very centre of our of our issue over the last couple of seasons is the inconsistency. How can you have a squad of players, the same team, one week away at West Ham, a more difficult place to go, play as well as they did, put a performance in like they did, get a result, and then the following week, the same players go away to Nottingham Forest, bottom of the league, you know, getting better maybe, but still bottom of the league, and put a performance in like that. Something's going on. Vieira's got to do something. Something's got to be identified as to what is causing this this complacency or this this inconsistency. Because all the time you've got that, we're never going to finish above league tables. We're never going to progress. But there is something fundamentally. Partly, I think it's depth of squad. You know, we don't have the number of quality players you need to have. Well, you can have squad rotation. You can do it. But something is not right there to get... And it's not just a bad 10 minutes. It's not just a, like a bad 20 minutes. That's a whole game, a really poor game, after a really good game the week before with exactly the same players. So against arguably weaker opponents. Something's something's not right there. Okay, Therese, yeah. I'm coming to you now. Um, so between the three of you, you've raised the Mark Gehe and his stats, okay, and squad depth. Hold that thought, all of you, because you know that I'm coming on to that in a minute. See? Yeah, I was going to say, does anyone see the interview um, uh, that uh, Pat Vieira put out about Czech Kuate earlier today? No. In light of Oh, he was saying that um, the reason um, that Kuate didn't stay wasn't because he wanted to leave, it's because the club wouldn't offer him a two-year contract, it's only a yeah. one-year contract, and that's why he went. And that Kuyati's heart is yeah. still at Palace. And that's yeah, what Vieira well. says. 
And no, do you know what? And I know that to be accurate as well. The trouble is we're in, we're in that minefield of 30 plus players, 30, 30 year old players, same as Zaha now. Uh, we, uh, we were going to, we, we offered Czechoate a one year deal. He refused it. He wanted a two year deal. And the reality is he signed a two year deal, not in the forest. And the chances are he could easily be playing that second year of his two year deal in the championship now, Ian. Yeah, that, that is our policy. Our policy at the club is if you're over 30, uh, it's one year, deal, one year only and not a two-year deal. I believe that's a general policy. Whether they'll make an exception for Wilfred Zaha, now he's turned 30, remains to be seen. Um, Real panel, um, my um, travel partner, you make a very valid point, my friend. The only reason Gay wasn't dribbled past was because he pulled back the one going past him and got booked and he's now suspended. Okay, I'll take that one. Fair enough. Fair call. So um, not in a forest, not in a forest avoided being bottom of the Premier League at Christmas as they beat Crystal Palace in a game heavy on VAR decisions. Morgan Gibbs White, the irony of it being him, by the way, that scores. Morgan Gibbs White was initially flagged offside. Uh, and he prodded home from close range after Palace keeper Vincente Guaita parried from Brendan Johnson. Do you know what? I'm bored of talking about defeats. Teresa, did you want to say something before I move on to the next bit? Yeah, before you do, I'd just like to, and there's no sour grapes in this, but some of the tactics that Nottingham Forest employed yesterday were very much on the dodgy side, especially their number 22, Yates. He went down twice when we were attacking the ball with an alleged head injury, was was down for two or three minutes. The ref stopped the game. Um, he didn't go off the field for a head injury assessment. And the other thing was, was the time where there was two balls on the pitch. We were attacking their goal in the second half. We were attacking their goal. The goalkeeper went and picked the ball up from the side where it had it thrown to him. And he went and put it on the penalty spot where Palace were actually attacking down the right right side at that time. And had that ball, had we been successful, because there was two balls on the pitch and the whole of the away end was screaming at him to get the ball off the pitch, that goal would have been disallowed. A couple of really bit dodgy goings on. But Interesting. That's all I was going to say. Ian, anything in the chat before I can move on to my next stuff that I want to cover? There's lots and lots of stuff in the chat. It's just a question that is moving for, so fast, you know. So a few hellos, a few regulars, Paul Holden. Uh, Mark Callahan, good to see you guys uh, on here. Um, yeah, Yasmin, who uh, now we travel away with on a regular basis, she says, yes, Yates was a disgrace, but the ref should have sussed him after the first time. Yeah, you'd spot on, Teresa. You know, I never heard of him before yesterday, this guy. Now I hate him because, you know, he is a blatant cheat, frankly. And, and got um, known as a match. Yeah, got man of the match. Do you know what? And when he when he went off, he did go to the sideline because he had the trainer on the pitch at one point. But he turned around, sort of winked at the crowd, gave him a big up, and then he did it again. Couldn't believe it. So he got away with it. And I think the referee was naive, wasn't he? You know, he's a relatively um, young referee, and um, yeah, he's um, yeah, he, he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't deal with that very well at all. But um, yeah. Right, so we're going to move on. And by the way, uh, Yasmin, Yasmin also, I believe, is doing the Predictions League, Ian. Um, she is, yeah. Yeah, she's about as good as you, apparently. Uh, I'm not, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to announce that I am not currently bottom of the Prediction League. Yasmin is, puny and simply on alphabetical order. 
not that I'm not that I'm bitter and twisted in any way, but that'll soon change next week. If you haven't joined the predictions league, okay, tonight is your cutoff. If you want to join our predictions league and look at it on so far, we have 30 players in entered, okay, and the first set of fixtures has already been sent out by the talented Mr. Lions. Okay, and there they are. Uh, all you need to do very simply is put your uh, reply to the email that Ian sends you, put your name where it says player's name and your predictions for those round of fixtures. Uh, it's a bit of fun. There is a chat, okay, uh, and there is your prize pot so far. The overall winner will receive £120, the runner-up £75, third place £45 and knockouts, knockout stages. Unless more of you decide to join up. If you decide to join up, all that changes and that price point, point pot goes north. And don't forget, some of the uh, money that is generated, because it's only literally only 20 quid for you to enter for the whole tournament, uh, some of it goes into the funding of what we do on a Sunday night here for hardware and all the rest of it. Right, we're going to draw a line under the defeats. I am going to change the subject entirely because I had anger at the Riverdance penalties in the week. I had more anger when Gareth Crystal Palace Southgate announced his England squad. Okay, now the, the boys and girls have, have already alluded to the fact that Mark Geehy wasn't selected and how they can not select somebody. That, and you saw Geehy's stats in a poor game yesterday. How can Geehy not be... I can understand to a point Tyrick Mitchell, okay, but my initial thoughts of anger soon turned to something different, okay? Opportunities. Now, you're going to have to bear with me while I go through this, okay, because there is quite a lot of information for you. First of all, our points tally so far coming Christmas, okay, in comparison to last Christmas, okay? Thank you, Nigel. Any second now? Nigel's going to put up a slide for you, and there you go. We are currently sitting in 11th place, exactly the same place as where we were last year. Last year we had, last Christmas we had 20 points. This Christmas we got 19 points. However... The most important thing in that part, of course, is the games played. Christmas last year, we'd played 17 games, and so far we've only played 14 games and got more or less the same amount of points. So very important that I highlight that, okay? We also, so that's point number one. We've played less games and we're sitting in mid-table. Point number two, with the long break that we have now and the guys pre-show tell me it's four and a half weeks, not the six weeks I thought it was, it's four and a half weeks, we also have an opportunity to get some of our long-term injured, Maka, Chris Richards, uh, Ferguson we know training and playing, Edward is also now back, okay, but mainly Maka and Chris Richards to recover from holiday. Another opportunity, I just said holiday, Another from injury, another opportunity, so a great opportunity to go into the second half of the season with a full squad, okay? We also have, immediately after Christmas, we are going into a transfer window. Now, a lot of you may not understand that I'm not the biggest Dougie Freeman. I am still bitter and twisted about Dougie Freeman, but he's given us a couple of good transfer windows. He's also given us one very poor one, the last one. I'm assuming Steve and Dougie have got their ducks in a row and they know exactly what we now need for the squad or our deficiencies in the squad that we've been alluding to this evening the bench is poor okay so i'm a, i'm presuming they've got their ducks in a row and they are ready to attack the transfer window in early january another opportunity another positive injured players back transfer window 
But the biggest one of all, and the reason I'm actually doing this now is because I want to explain to people that haven't had a look at our fixtures and the amount of players other teams are sending to the World Cup. We're sending Ayu and Anderson. That's it. Ayu and Anderson are the only two from our squad that are going. So only two of our players are going. So we're not going to end up having five or six players coming back from the tournament injured or tired, fatigued, whatever. Okay. It's just those two. And with all respect to Denmark and Ghana, okay, they're probably not going to go that far in the cup anyway. Okay. In the World Cup anyway. So our players will get a chance of a break. Vieira's already alluded to the fact that when uh, during this break, the players are actually, our players are going to have two weeks off and then they're going to have a mini pre-season. What I wanted to do is compare, compare the our two players that are going to the World Cup and compare them to the other teams that we are playing directly after Boxing Day. Okay. Now, we'll start off with Fulham, who have, uh, they, they actually have six players going away. Okay. Various nations, I know, so they're not all going to go through the whole four or five weeks of the World Cup but they're still sending six players away that won't have a break. That is our first opportunity post-Christmas. Bournemouth, like us, only have two players going in the World Cup. And then it gets interesting. And then it gets interesting. Spurs, on the 4th of January, they are sending nine players to the World Cup, all of which, when they come back from the World Cup, will have fatigue, okay? Our players will be rested, full squad, and even then, we might even have one or two new signings, you never know, Okay. Chelsea, on the 14th of January, Chelsea are sending 12 players to the World Cup. Ditto, 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 everything I've just said. We are sending two that won't go very far and we'll have a rest. The rest of our squad will be rested. And don't forget, we are sitting currently in 11th place. Okay, I think we have a massive opportunity. Newcastle, ready for this? Newcastle are sending 15 players to the World Cup. And we're playing them at home. Um, and on the 4th of February, this is as far as I've gone, on the 4th of February, uh, we play Man United. Okay, Man United are sending 13 players. I think, and I don't think any of the other Palace groups, Facebook groups, podcasts have picked up on the fact that we actually have, okay, a massive opportunity here going into the start of the second half of the season. I want to be positive, okay? I'm angry at Riverdons. I'm angry at Gareth Southgate. But I really think there is an opportunity. I couldn't give a monkeys about the World, World Cup. We, I think my personal views are we probably won't even get out of the group, okay? And people think I'm mad. But let's just see what happens. So I'd like your views, you three initially, okay? But I'd like your views, ladies and gentlemen, out in Facebook land, Am I being? Am I reading this wrong, or am I just clutching at straws? We are in eleventh place, and I, what's really frustrating, and Tim alluded to a minute ago, that it's the frustrating thing is we can have a good performance like we had against West Ham, and then we, I nearly swore, I nearly swore badly. Then, then we mess it up, okay, against Nottingham Forest, and we've been doing that consistently throughout the start of this campaign. I'm hoping with that information that I've just given you, right players, players back from injury possibly new signings, we can o overcome that issue. Tim, you had your hand up. Yeah, I mean, I was when the squad was announced for the World Cup, oh, the first thing I'll say is same number of points as last year, but also look at the start we had to the season. 
look who we played in the first six or seven games and we've still got the number of points that we've got now. So it's good. Excellent the world, point. Yeah, the, the World Cup's an interesting one because you know, coming out from New Zealand, I couldn't wait to get back for a major football tournament, actually being at home and actually the whole atmosphere. And, but I really, I will watch it, but I'm not that fussed. Especially, I'm sorry, I love Southgate. You know, a lot of time for him is a lovely bloke. But the squad is picked. I'm afraid he's just become another one of those FA, do everything the same way it's always been done. His talk when he became manager of, I'm going to pick players on form. That's what I'm going to do. It just shows what a complete hypocrite he is. He's far too defensive. He's Roy Hodgson Jr. And the players he's picked, half of them aren't playing for the team anyway. Half of them are injured. And the other, a lot of the other ones he has picked have no creativity. And they're just sort of like, like you, Nick, I said at work the other day, I doubt, I'll be surprised if we get into week three, to be fair. Sorry, sorry, I know you're on mute. Do you have any thoughts on it? I mean, do you think I'm looking at this the wrong way? No, it's like uh, they're saying in the chat, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. Uh, Daniel Garlic thinks it's half full. I tend to agree with him. Um, to be quite honest, uh, this is one of the few World Cups that I really have absolutely mm. minimal interest in. I watch it if I happen to be home on TV. I wouldn't record the matches. I'm not going to go out of my way to request off duty so I can watch it. Um, but if, I mean, I'm going to come back to what you were saying about the transfer when you're in January. Um, what you think we need? Midfielders. Where's that money going to come from? Texter seems more invested in his Brazilian club. We've got Harrison Blitzer saying that they want to buy Liverpool. Where are we going to get our money for for uh, for the transfers? You raise a, you raise a very that comes good. out of the chat as well. Who said someone said that in the chat? Probably yeah, you Andrew. Raise, you raise a very good Chris Lehman makes Chris Lehman makes a good point, doesn't he, Nick? There, you know, we talk about buying players in the window, but are we worried about selling our best players in the window? You know, a bid comes in. I think especially attacking players, Eze and Elise. Elise, the one for me. I think a lot of people will be looking at Elise's buyout clause has gone now. Um, the 35 mil, and also Wilf, you know, I mean, we could lose one or two of them in this window, and if so, then we'd need to replace as well as add, wouldn't we? Well, I think the um, the thing, the one thing I, I said to you about my thoughts on Dougie Freeman, okay, the one thing that they did get right in the good transfer window we had is Tyingham, Anderson, Elise, uh, Eze, Edward, all down to four and five year contracts, okay, so if we did lose any of them in, in January, they would have to be substantial bids. I mean, seriously substantial bids, because there's uh, there's no there's no point entertaining anything less. The the Wilf thing will go anyway. The Wilf thing will happen. Wilf is free on January the first to start talking to the European clubs for pre-contracts uh, discussions anyway. Um, if he was going to sign a contract by now, he would have done it. The only the only proviso on that, the only maybe on that, I would say, would be. Uh, that he offers us a, a decent Christmas present, and on Christmas morning he announces he's signed an extension to his deal. It ain't going to happen, especially now because it'll only be one year deal. Because I don't think Palace can make an exception for Will. You know, you know, and I honestly don't. Ian, I'd like your thoughts on the uh, my, what I was saying about opportunities post Christmas with these uh, players away. Well, I think it's an interesting um, uh, thought process, Nick. For a start, uh, well done for getting there um, for the research of. Uh, how many of the players at these other clubs are going out to the World Cup? 
Um, Newcastle, 15. That's amazing, isn't it? Goodness me. Um, but even Fulham, little old Fulham. I watched the game this afternoon, Fulham Man United, but most of it, didn't see all of it. Um, but they look decent, Fulham. You know, clearly they are lucky to lose it in the end like they did. But yeah, they're no mugs at all. They've got some great players. But if, as you say, they, they've had a, you know, a, a grueling World Cup, maybe picked up one or two injuries, it's going to play into our hands, isn't it? So, um, you know, we shall see. But I don't think we need to um, put too much emphasis on this. I think all the clubs in the Premier League will be well drilled. They'll have their um, they'll have their plans. They'll be playing their friendlies. They'll be working their players that have been left behind as hard as they hope that the players that are away are training and all the rest of it. So there'll be all kinds of communications between clubs and players out on international duty. I'm sure. Um, yeah, but it's a nice it's a nice thought, and I like I like uh, glass. Uh, half full points of view and I like uh, red and blue tinted spec points of view. So I think, I think you're in that ballpark there with that one. Vieira did say say, um, that they're going to be seriously working on different tactics in that uh, mini pre-season that they're going to have. Okay. And they, and they have the players at home to enable them to do it. Rested players at home. Teresa, you're about to say something. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of our transfer um, is uh, dependent on whether Patrick Vieira wants the players or not. I know you were digging out Dougie Freeman about it, but maybe it's Patrick Vieira. He's an ex-player, ex-Champions League player, well-respected, and maybe he sees a player. He, he went after Decore, didn't he? That wasn't Dougie Friedman. So how much of the transfer business is going is being driven by the manager rather than Dougie the scout? I think I Vieira know. attracts players. You know, why wouldn't you want to come and play for somebody who's uh, won a World Cup, you know, Champions League, you know, the, had had the, the you know, great success that he had as a player? Um, why wouldn't you want to come out and play under a guy like that? Um, you know, certainly Elisa, I think, has, has talked about that as well. You know, one of the reasons he came to us in the first place. But, uh, yeah, I think he's a draw. I, I still think Doogie Friedman... Um, as a real big part to play in this. And I, I think he's done a better job than you're giving him credit for, Nick. I think, uh, you know, he's one of the ones that's gone out and you know got some of these names in the first place. And then maybe it's Vieira that's convinced them to come. Um, maybe. Tim? Yeah, I think, to, to be fair, what really governs our transfer uh, season, if you want to call it that, or transfer period, is the funds that are available. It doesn't matter who Vieira wants. It doesn't matter who Doogie wants to get or anybody. It's how much money we've got to spend on players. And if we haven't got the money or the money isn't there, then it doesn't matter who anybody wants. We're not going to get them. So like Therese said, it'd be nice to know if there is a fund there or if there is any money available. Because if there isn't, it's going to be exactly like the last transfer window. The other other point uh, Andrew just made a minute ago in the chat Will Patrick Vieira want out if we don't get the players in in January in the January window? Now, whilst I don't think in isolation that would have been the case, Andrew, in my opinion, the fact that we had such a disappointing um, summer transfer window, and don't forget the January transfer window is notoriously difficult to get players in, and you tend to be getting them in at a premium price in January over the summer window. Um, if Patrick Vieira doesn't get at least a couple off his wish list, I think your point may actually be quite valid. Not now, but certainly in the next 12 months or so. The other the other thing I wanted to pick up on there, Ian, is you mentioned pre-season friendlies in uh, late December. 
Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, Pat Crystal Palace, and Theresa mentioned John Texter a minute ago, Crystal Palace play Botafogo at Sellers Park, I believe it's Saturday the 3rd of December, okay, get yourselves down to Sellers Park for that, because it'll be quite interesting, I think what you will, if there are any Botafogo fans in the crowd, and I believe that there will be, because they travel and they support their club massively, I think you'll see a relationship develop, very similar to the Crystal Palace and Dundee uh, relationship for the Julian Speroni um, testimonial. They, they certainly on Twitter, seem to be very keen on forging a relationship with Crystal Palace and the other teams that Texter is actually associated with. Uh, I think that would be quite a good day. Uh, they are, I believe, they they play in the in the championship standard of uh, Brazilian football, but it's it should be very good and very competitive. So. Get yourself down to uh, Saturday, the 3rd of December, down to Sellers Park, okay, and Hartlepool. Yeah, and Hartlepool, Nigel, you're quite right. Um, and it'll be remiss of me to say before I go any further that all of that information that I read out earlier on a little while ago was thanks to Nigel, our producer. So, Nigel, thank you for your hard work. And also, Tim, haven't you got a reminder to everybody about our Instagram account, Tom Clark Samuel worked so hard on? I did uh, send you a private message to remind you, as you asked me to do. Um, yes, the mid-season quiz, I believe. Yeah, there will, there will be a mid-season quiz ap appearing on our Instagram account. And thank you, Tom, and everybody else in the background that works so very hard. Guys, glass half full, glass half empty. I haven't got much more. Um, we're. I know we're going to be taking a long way. The other thing I haven't been... Oh, what's this? Oh, the Super 6. Go on in, Nigel. Nigel, the Super 6 up. Clearly, because he's top of the league. Uh, I'm not even on there, am I? No, I'm, probably not. No, I'm on the lower half. So I must be on the lower half. And I can't see that. Uh, easy come, easy go. Uh, who, who's is that in? That's the F, That's our FPL league, top seven of our FPL league. 145 teams in that. Um, so, yeah, there are a few um, additions still to be made to those scores from the last, not today's games, but that's just the top. We said we yeah. share them just because people are interested. Maybe yeah. they're not interested. I know you're not interested, but they were. No, no, each to their own. And the other thing, the other one, of course, was the predictions we asked for uh, going into Christmas. And my understanding that was there was there was only two people that got the prediction right out of our fan base, out of the Red and Blue Review family. And John Knox was one of them, and Joan was the other, uh, predicting ten points. That's correct. Uh, yeah, is that, is that right? Yeah, I've got it from last week's show, yeah. So John Knox and Joan both predicted 10 points. That's all um, right. Yeah, well done, guys. No yeah, prizes, just just the uh, the glory of being right, you know, that's all. <laughs> so out in Facebook land, before we, before we wrap up, I'd like to know your thoughts on, you know, after everything we talked about this evening, especially in the last 20 minutes or so, where do you think Palace will end up this season uh, come in, come May, where do you think we are going to be? Uh, and what, what's your thought process? Uh, obviously, transfer window dependent. I know that's very key. Uh, the other thing, of course, is remiss of me today. Let's not forget uh, it is Remembrance Sunday. And uh, as you can see, I'm duly wearing my poppy. Um, uh, it's one of those, I don't know if you saw it today on TV, any of you. It's absolutely the right thing that we we cover this every year. Uh, we normally close the show on that, uh, on Remembrance Sunday, but we're not going to do it this year. I've got some thank yous to do before we close. Uh, you three, thank you for joining me tonight, okay? 
for the rest of the presenters that have appeared so far on the Red and Blue Review, I thank you. Massively, massively important that I acknowledge Lucy and Nigel in the background because without them, there is no show. Very simply, there is no show. People like Tom Clark, Samuel, and each and every one of you uh, out on Facebook land that join us week in, week out. I hope you and your families all have a lovely Christmas. You three have, have a lovely Christmas with your families. On behalf of myself, Nick Philpott, and the rest of the team, okay, I wish you a Merry Christmas. Take care. We'll see you on the 2nd of January, which will be our next show. We might drop something else in between that, but 2nd of January is our next scheduled show. So on behalf of myself and the rest of the team, happy Christmas, everybody. You take good care. Good night, everyone. Good night, all. See you guys. Good night.